0: The real success stories told by the people who live them. We're going to have some guests on this show that everybody knows. And we're going to have guests on this show that nobody knows yet. One by one, Nick Hyder is adding hits to the hit streak. Blessings, folks. It's your man, Nick Hyder. Welcome back to the hit streak podcast. Um, in the house today, in the studio, I've got one of my greatest friends on the planet, a fellow entrepreneur, a futurist, and an amateur expert in technological change, my man, Chris Rimbald, How you doing, baby?
1: What's up, everybody? Good to be here. <laughs> what
0: an introduction. Man, um, well, I'm glad to have you in the house today. Just so you guys know, um, a lot of um, work goes into um, into a show like this. And um, the best part about this one is is this one's totally off the cuff. It's just two guys hanging, having some beers, right? Cheers,
1: bro. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Cheers. And um, we're going to be talking about some really cool stuff today. So, um, Chris, first of all let's make sure that, um, that some folks know what you're all about. So like, honestly, um, you and I have been um, really, really close for the better part of over half a decade now. Um, the families are extremely close. Um, we've traveled together. We've done everything together. We've been business partners, um, d- literally everything together we can think of. Um, what, is, what is most exciting in your life that you got going on right now?
1: Yeah, first of all, we are, I I do think of you as an older brother at this point. We we go way back, man. You're a foundational person to me. Um, what's going on with me right now? What's got me excited? Well, right now, we are living in a time of extremely rapid change. So, probably for the past ten thousand years or so, we've been discovering new technologies at an increasing rate. It was really slow at first. We went from wood to coal, to steam, mm-hmm. to electricity and the internal combustion engine. And then we discovered all kinds of things like flight, the internet, computers. And, and it seems like the graph is nearly going vertical in technological change. That's what's got me excited As 2020s are really kind of the climax of the movie if humanity was a movie. So we have more going on right now and more societal change happening than has ever happened. So we're really lucky to get to see all this stuff happen. So that's what I'm excited about studying the history of exponential change, the kind of things that happen and what to look for. Like for example, in 1903 there was a picture of the I think it was the Easter parade in New York City. It was all horses except there was one car in it. One car in 1903. Wow. And 8 years later 1911 um, picture of New York City, Easter parade, all cars and one horse. That kind of thing is happening in multiple areas right now, and it's really cool too.
0: Absolutely. Study. Um, we are in one of those um, time windows where it's like so much drastic change, evolution is happening, um, through technology and everything else. So off camera a little while ago, we were just talking about the, the recent civilian space exploration. Um, that's been, uh, which is, which is really, really cool. He was signing the wall over here and, uh, we were talking about how they could do that. So, um, I don't know, man, um, what, how do you want to kick it off? What do you want to talk about first? Well, let's talk about a little bit about some of the, some of the things
1: we've done together. I would like, I would like to first point out that the reason that I know you is because you and I were both insurance agents together. um, And looking around, most of the people probably almost all of the people around me hadn't owned a business before, or at least nothing like the one that we were in. And I wanted to find somebody who had some experience, some credibility, somebody that could help um, guide me and help me learn not just how to be a good health insurance agent, but also how to. Um, run a business how to understand the fundamentals because if you don't know the rules of the game then you're gonna lose mm-hmm. if you can't see the battlefield it's all gonna go to hell so um you had seen some some pretty epic uh, rise and fall before and and you you had that confidence about you so that's why you're my mentor um not only are you very personal a lot of fun to hang out with but um you had gone down the road before and could help show me the way, so that was really helpful. Um, as far as um, what I'm doing now, I'm still a health insurance agent. Some I'll have people call me that need help, but I'm focusing on more understanding the things that are happening in uh, exponential growth in in the technological change and. It's just like I mentioned, if you don't know the rules of the game, if you cannot understand the battlefield, you're going to lose. You're going to be destroyed or at least have to rebuild um, again. And it has never been more important to understand what's going on Mm -hmm. in um, all kinds of areas of society than right now because it's all changing incredibly fast.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, the um, So when you when you met me, we were... Um, that was the infancy stages of the insurance conglomerate that we were um, in the midst of bidding. As a matter of fact, when, when we really started growing fast, you were the right hand to my left in, in doing that. And um, you still have a great book of business to this day. Um, you know what I mean? So still servicing those people. Um, you are also... Fun fact: An accomplished pilot. As a matter of fact, um, that was probably one of the coolest things that we've ever done for my daddy. When um, so you owned an airplane, how many people can say that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a good time.
0: Yes, it was, and um, you took us up, um, my son included, who was little, and we went up in the bird, and and like you, literally, my dad got it's like serious. So when I was a kid, we had the Nintendo, and Top Gun was one of the games I had. He used to come in when he thought I was sleeping, and I was, but he'd wake me up to play Top Gun. He'd sit at the foot of my bed while I was sleeping and, and play Top Gun. He's a, he totally is fascinated with with aviation and flying and stuff. And he finally got to fly a plane for the first time, obviously with you sitting next to him in the uh in the in the driver's seat, I guess you could say. But that was a real that was a really cool day. Man, he still talks about that.
1: He clearly had some flight simulator time because he was actually really good. I have seen, um, student pilots that weren't, that had flown a plane before that were not as good as your dad was. So. That's right. Um, he, he obviously had put some energy and thought into it. Mm-hmm. He needs to go flying some more.
0: He should. Um, I know he would. And he took, um, Kay went, um, his wife Kay, um, went up with us. That was a, man, that was a really cool day. Um, and we got some really good photos of that and, and, um, It was such a, when the small planes, if you hadn't ridden in one, they just handle so much different. They feel so much different than the big ones. You can actually feel (laughs) the uh, the air in which you're flying through to a certain degree. Oh yeah. It's a very different experience. I took a time lapse on the
1: last flight that I did a couple months ago with a friend. And no matter how carefully you fly it, I mean, unless you're just on autopilot, it's going to be bouncing all over the place. The time lapse is pretty funny. It's like, the wings are doing this, uh, uh, but you should send him down to the Glider Club in Eagleville. He'd like that.
0: The Glider Club and in really inexpensive,
1: an really safe, really fun. Um, I did that for a while. There's nothing quite like circling in a thermal of rising air, looking looking up and across at a vulture who's doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> wow, dude, that's so cool. It's um, one of the we have so we have a new fire pit at the house and it's a perspective is what I'm getting at here, right? So everything is all about perspective. And we have a new fire pit at the house, and um, I I don't know if I'd ever seen fire from above before until I'm putting this thing together. And uh, well, not putting it together, I'm finishing the finish. Somebody else put it together, and then I'm finishing um, getting the gas connected and everything else. And I'd seen fire from uh, the top for the first time, and it just I probably sat there and thought about perspective. For quite some time, and I know um, you have some amazing drone footage um, that you've posted. You have a great YouTube channel, period. Let's tell the folks about, um, about, about your YouTube channel, because my son and I were just watching the time-lapse video um, in your Tesla. Going, We saw the seltzer water in the cooler um, in the trunk. We saw the box water. Um, when you're, what was the restaurant that you ate at when you were up there when you had the beer? I think it was called
1: Black Rock or Blackstone. It was one of those kind of restaurants that you're really glad is near a hotel because it's got really good food and really good beer. But that's where it was. Excellent. Up there in Michigan. That was a good trip. But uh, my YouTube, just look up Chris Rimbolt. I have two channels, More Chris Rimbolt and Chris Rimbolt. More Chris Rimbolt is the kind of stuff that I post that I care about that probably the algorithm doesn't care too much about. But if, (laughs) if you want to nerd out, that's the one to go to. Um, the more polished one, the one with higher production value is just
0: the regular Chris Rimbaud one. There you go. Um, well, like, so as a pilot, as somebody that does all the, you do a lot of drone footage, um, Yeah. really good stuff. So as a business guy and an entrepreneur, what's the connection between the fascination, what you get out of that versus like just, cause obviously it's, it's feeding a part of your soul. That's, that that's also, you're using the feed as a catalyst to feed the businesses and everything else that you got rocking.
1: Well, it does two things for me. One, I love cinematography. I've always enjoyed taking good quality um, photos and videos, at least as good as you can with a phone. And I enjoy doing that. But I also love flying. And from even being uh, very young, I've always wished that humans could just fly. And so I have this recurring dream where I'm flying around at will like a drone. And, the modern drones allow you to do that very, 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 very easily. And so you combine um, finding a good shot, something that's aesthetically pleasing, and then giving the the feeling of motion through it. Not just one straight line, but get get some rotation in there, get some pan, uh, get some uh, get some parallax going where you can see objects moving. That's that's just fun to me. I do it for me, but if I think this looks really cool, I will put it into a video. I'll post it on social media. um, uh, It's all for it's frankly, it's it feeds
0: me, sure. And if I think it's cool, I'll share it. So, obviously, as a a business owner and entrepreneur, like we are the business, we're literally pouring everything out of us into the business, much like being a a husband or a father or anything else. It's just a part of you, and and all the, the energies that you seek. It's because you want to give those back, right? You want to basically like a trampoline; they bounce, before they hit you, and then they're ba- bounce, bouncing back out. Um, what kind of um, like, what is that doing for you? Because, I mean, it's cool, man. It's it's it, for me, it's perspective. What is it? What what is it for you that you get out of that that feeds you to to currently get up and just chase innovation and everything else you do?
1: So the drone thing is just a symptom of a whole thing that I have going on, and that is, I like to gain knowledge and experience and, um, even sometimes wisdom, especially from failures. And I think I see that as investing in me, right? Just like you would take money out of your check every month or every two weeks or whatever, um, pay period you get, you put that into some sort of investment account. Well, some people do same thing with my time. If I'm doing something to expand my mind, to expand my patience, to grow my peace to make me someone who can see reality a little bit more clearly and instead of have opinions, know how things really are, um, then it doesn't matter what happens to me financially or personally or anything like that. Because if you go through the process of building businesses, if you have, if you grow as many skills as you can in areas that you're interested in, if you have. All this accumulated knowledge, it doesn't matter what happens to you because even if you lose everything and go to zero, you'll always be able to rebuild really quickly. I mean, think back to a time in your life where, I don't know, it hit the fan and there's probably been a time when you lost everything. I know there has been pretty much that kind of time for me where if I right now time traveled back to that Chris Rimbled and took over his mind, I would get out of that problem like that. There would be would, I would not have this prolonged area of of this prolonged time of rebuilding, this kind of self-loathing what happened, this kind of wallowing, this oh no, I'm a victim. None of that would happen because I know one that is totally fruitless behavior and two I know exactly how to fix pretty much any situation. And it doesn't even have to be that one thing that went wrong because yeah, I have figured out what needed to be done to fix that. But I have the confidence now that I could be put into pretty much any challenging situation and I would, I would not be at the bottom for very long.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, when you said the, the time that I hit rock bottom there, it's plural. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, um, When I think one of the greatest things that one of the greatest strengths that we all have is the ability to constantly reinvent ourselves, and 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 most of us um, stop for whatever reason when we get a job or whatever. We just we stop evolving as a person. Um, We stop seeking who we want. I don't know. We stop chasing dreams. Um, We could talk for hours just about that um, alone. But like every time you reinvent yourself, it's an opportunity. It's a chance to one, figure out who you want to be. And two, you get to, you get to chase that. You get to clearly say, I don't want to be that anymore. I want to be this. And you get to do that. I did it as a a professional athlete. I did it as a nightclub owner. I did it as a horrific, I, I, I mean, gosh, I've lost everything a couple of times. Um, when uh, obviously young, well, I guess I didn't lose any, everything in baseball because you got to have something first, but <laughs> um, I lost what little I had. And then um, in 2011, when we got out of the bar business, we lost it. I mean, I lost everything, everything. I can still remember to this day the last time that I had to borrow money from Pop and um, I was defeated and I promised him I would never be back. And I haven't gone back.
1: I've had that same experience. I remember the last time I borrowed money from my dad and I also told him this would never happen again and it hasn't. It was a highly motivating feeling yeah. <laughs> to never have to need someone else's assistance to survive again. And well, I was very grateful for that at the time and still am, um, I see it as my responsibility to never get in that situation again. Let that be the learning experience.
0: Do you think it's possible to... Like So I'm raising kids, and the one thing I can say is the reason that I lost everything, the reason that I bumped my head is because so much was done for me for so long that everything, all the trouble I got in financially was not on purpose or or malice or anything. It was just like, I just didn't know. Yeah. I just didn't know. It was mistakes, right? And is there any way to, to do it properly without making those mistakes first?
1: Well, I really don't think that it's possible to tell someone how to live because the way that our brain chemistry works is we have to experience suffering, we have to experience fear, we have to experience pleasure, we have to experience all the things that make our brain chemistry fire off. And the fact of the matter is you can get the best advice from somebody and you will understand and believe that they are correct. But your brain is not going to be behind you and reinforcing those lessons because you haven't learned them. Because that's not, uh, there's literally neurons that get connected in your brain when you have an experience. And there's this pattern in there that lights up when uh, a situation triggers it. And that's the physical representation of a thought form. You won't have those if you learn from a book, if you learn strictly from, um, your parents telling you how things are, you have to go crash into the walls of reality a little bit on your own. Yeah. And that's easy for me to say I don't have any kids. I don't plan to have any kids, but that's just how I think psychology works. You have to you
0: have to suffer a little bit. That's the thing. I think you do. Well, there wouldn't be light without dark. wouldn't be good without evil. You got to have that counterpart, don't you at some point in time? like how do you know success if you don't know what the opposite of success feels like?
1: Yeah, I, I don't even think it's necessarily a moral good or bad. It's just a situation that you can learn from. How would you know a win if you didn't know what a loss was? Yeah, I mean it's all <laughs> it's all it's all part of the symphony that is life. I mean mm-hmm. one of the ways that I think is most likely for the world to end, to get a little existential here.
0: This is where it gets good,
1: folks. Here we go. So there's this thing called the Great Filter, um, and it's associated with something called the Fermi Paradox. And what this is is we look out into the night sky with our best telescopes, with our best detectors of anything intelligent, with our best radio antennas, and for the life of us, we can't find any other life out there. And it seems very odd because just based on sheer large numbers alone, you would think that there was a scenario that's kind of like Earth where eventually intelligent life would create some noise and send some signals out there that we could pick up. But that's the Fermi paradox. The paradox is that we don't see anything when we look out there. And so there's a thing that's been proposed called the Great Filter. And the Great Filter is something that we think might happen in a society of advanced... Self-aware intelligences like us um, where something majorly bad happens and the whole society burns down and it starts again from zero Mm. or whatever life forms survive that cataclysmic event. It could be an asteroid is a great filter. Maybe eventually a, a comet or an asteroid takes out life on the planet. We have seen that on Earth, actually. The dinosaurs were around much longer than we were, but that was their great filter. But perhaps the great filter is comfort and luxury because mm. right now mm-hmm. right now in 2020 we the 2020s i should say we are seeing so much advancement of technological assistance with things i predict based on my honest research not this is not an opinion this is based on everything all the trends that i can see and it it this is a conservative prediction that by 2030, the people that want to work are going to be the only ones working. There will be the cost of living will be very low. We'll have robotic servants. Transportation will be virtually free. Um, food will be created with precision fermentation and won't have to be grown in the ground or come from animals. It will it will be nutritionally and um taste buds the same mm-hmm. and it will be very inexpensive. So so the cost of living will come way down. And I think that perhaps that might be the great filter because technological advancement will get to the point where we're like, hey, I want to be comfortable. I want life to be free. Um, as far as the price tag, I want life to be free. I want it to be comfortable. I want it to be convenient. I want to, if if I want to, I want to sit on my couch and watch binge watch VR, whatever that we have, uh, by that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a ancient, um, an ancient vulnerability that humans have is the desire to seek comfort. And I think that it could eventually be a major, major problem for our entire civilization. If we no longer have the drive to explore, if we had no longer have the drive to innovate, if we frankly no longer have the drive to reproduce, I believe that population collapse is actually a major potential problem right now. If we're so comfortable that we stop doing anything, that, yes, our light will go out, planet Earth will stop transmitting radio waves, we'll stop reproducing, we'll die of old age, and there will be nothing left but a pile of the robotic servants that took care of us. And that is something that I see as a very real threat to our species, is comfort. So the question is, how do we keep our drive for exploring alive? How do we keep our desire to expand our sphere of habitation to the, to the moon and to the other planets? How do we keep the, the drive to create art and philosophy and literature? How do we keep that alive Yeah, in a world of extreme
0: comfort? So two things that you mentioned that I want to hear from you about. So one um, in the early 2010s, I had invested in a company that um, it was advanced LED lighting technologies and stuff, really smart stuff. It was really cool. It was ahead of its time. It's pretty common in a lot of things these days. But um, one of the things that was proposed, that it was something that was real, that exists, for whatever reason, there's some big companies that are that have kept it from happening, I think with the electric car becoming more and more popular. Tell me if you've heard about this. So the... The biggest thing back then with electric cars was keeping them charged long enough to get anywhere, right? Um, Not as much of a problem these days, but, and I know there's charging stations everywhere, but the technology, um, I I never saw it work, but I was told it did, was that obviously the lines on the side of the road, that, that you could put whatever that feature is, whatever that mechanism is, in those, so when you're when the car is driving, it's charging based off of what's coming out of the lines on the road. Have you ever heard anything about that? The inductive charging,
1: um, I have heard about possibly putting um, a sort of contactless charging into a road, but it was some
0: sort of solar,
1: you know, yeah, solar road. Mm-hmm. I frankly think that it would be unnecessary, right? Because you don't actually need that much area of solar panels to even power the entire United States. Right. It's, you really don't need that much. And we have way more road surface than we would possibly ever need of solar panels to um, keep the lights on and keep our industry going and even charge all the planes and cars and everything that could be powered by electricity. It's, it would be unnecessary. So I think the best thing to do would just be to build the roads as sustainably and ecologically friendly as possible
0: and make the solar farms the solar farms. Makes sense. The other thing was, um, so um, you and I have my greatest, I'm very fascinated with with space, right? And I have my best talks with you about that. Um, It's it's hard to find people that are really educated at all um, on it just because of the evolution of all that over the last 50 years. Frankly, it's almost like we've been pushed away from looking up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, we're looking down at our phones. Yeah. And we're doing that psychologically too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, as far as exploration, so the civilians just went up, right? Um, what do you know about that? What's happening in, in that kind of work? Cause I'm, like I say, I'm learning right now, just like everybody else. This is super fascinating stuff to me. So what's the coolest thing happening in that right
1: now? Okay. So this is actually an area of rapid technological change there are several of them right now one of them is the uh, the cost per ton to orbit which is a metric that measures how expensive it is to send stuff into low earth orbit or beyond the cost per ton to orbit is going down drastically and that is because we are reusing rockets again so uh, i shouldn't say again but for the first time so imagine a 747, you load all the people and cargo onto it, you send it across to London and then you throw it away. Mm -hmm. One flight. That would make no sense because it would be prohibitively expensive to go on that flight. That's how rockets have been up until I think it was 2013 or 14 when for the first time in human history SpaceX landed a rocket booster and reused it. So Mm -hmm. before they were just throwing all that away, just like everybody else. And they said well, for this to be for this to be something sustainable as far as um, putting stuff into space and exploring, we need to put a ton of stuff up there and to be able to put a ton of stuff up there it has to be cheap. So the whole reason behind learning to reuse the boosters has been so that we can put a bunch of stuff in Earth orbit and beyond um, without it costing the GDP of a developed nation to do so. Mm -hmm. Now they're developing something called Starship which will be able to send 100 tons to orbit for around a million dollars, which that is absurdly inexpensive, Um, vastly, vastly, vastly inexpensive. To give you perspective on that, the little civilian mission they just did where they sent a space capsule um, up into space for, I think, three days or so with four people on board, that mission, the cost of it hasn't been disclosed, but the best guess of the, the amateurs on the internet is somewhere around 50 to $60 million for just that one little minivan-sized capsule. We're talking 100 tons to orbit mm-hmm. for the cost of the propellant because they'll be able to reuse the entire ship, including the booster. When that happens, it will change society in many ways. And one of the ways will be that we can go from point to point on the planet in 30 minutes, like you get on the rocket and you're in Shanghai in 30 minutes or London or something like that. So it'll it'll make us be able to travel places much faster, but it will also enable us to put refueling stations in orbit so that we can send way more mass to Mars or the moon and actually carry meaningful amounts of things there to set up a homestead there and eventually a self-sustaining civilization hmm and that's really cool it's kind of like early days humanity where um, the Pacific Islander nations were um, exploring and discovering things like Hawaii and things like that mm-hmm. um, that that's the spirit that we need to move forward with to, to have this ridiculously hard thing that we're still working on we, we can't fizzle out into comfort there needs to be some ridiculously challenging frontier for us and frankly, it doesn't really exist on earth anymore. We've, we have mastered our environment. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we have terraformed our environment so that 40% of the land, 40% of the land is dedicated to food production. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's actually just the metric for producing meat. Mm -hmm. So, um, if that's not terraforming, I don't know what is, but we've, we kind of mastered earth. It was pretty easy. Um, it's, a Pretty decent t- uh, temperature most of the time, but sending stuff to Mars, um, sending robots to Mars to set up a place for us to live so that it's ready for us when we get there—that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, same for same thing for the Moon, and it's an insurance policy against a asteroid or a comet or an extremely bad virus or something that could just wipe out an entire population. Right. Um, you you want to have you want to have
0: vacuum gapped areas where people live just in case sure so we're both big elon fans right and um first of all folks like a lot of people when you talk about this stuff they immediately shut it out because it's it's far too far-fetched it's you know um i guess because maybe hollywood might have ruined it a little bit because it's in the movies and whatnot but like the the people that are truly happy in life they do they dream big they think bigger than maybe they've been shown or taught but the, the the unknown is like i don't know like seriously just raising a family well tomorrow is unknown territory my kid is one day older my kids plural are one day older than they were before which brings on all new challenges right that is literally the evolution of the human race constantly the unknown, dealing with the unforeseen um, changes of the world and everything else. So some people will immediately hear what we're talking about and shut it out. That's not the people that we want to hang out with anyways, right? Um, At all. But like, so the reason I said all that was one, um, or mainly is because Elon's doing a lot up, but he's also doing a lot underground, isn't he?
1: Yeah, um, the boring company. Yeah, which, like most things with Elon, is a is a dorky pun of some kind. It's brilliant. Yeah, but they're they're boring holes into the ground and it's making three dimensional um, transportation possible. Whereas right now, it's a two dimensional transportation system. The highway exists on X and Y, but not Z. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's building in those layers, and you could even have specialized tunnels too, like. This is the one that all the hazardous material goes through. This is the one that the commuters go through. This is the one that, um, I don't know, whatever you want, ex- oversized loads go through. Yeah. Like, yeah, I
0: mean, you could, but you you're, you can filter it however you need it to to however you need the the stuff to move. But it's so you said a minute ago you could go from with with the with the rocket technology just traveling just from place to place. I mean, it's going to cut air time down and travel time down exponentially. But like you could do the same thing underground too right so there's what are, so what do you know about um it's hard to know what's real and what's not what's fact and what's fiction i, I like all the, i like the fiction as much as i like the fact just because it makes you think it's hard to tell which is which now it really is um so i've heard everything from they're building something on the ocean floor that's going to connect continents they're they're building um obviously elon is they can connect from la to new york and cut down travel time in what, what they could cut it in half or two thirds or whatever else. So um, wh- how do you think it's going to all play out from being able to go from continent to continent in the air fast and staying within land masses underground fast? Like, how do you think that's going to play out?
1: I think that airplanes will eventually have a major competitor and that's with the Hyperloop system. And that's where you remove most of the air from a super big long tube and then you send... A capsule through it, real fast. And the reason that you remove the air is because with no air resistance, it can shoot through there way faster. Mm-hmm. And that can go in any weather. Um, it can, it can, not worry about um, like other traffic because it's extremely predictable. It, it's almost like electrons moving around a circuit board. At some point, it's like very, very, very. Schedulable, reliable, predictable thing. It's kind of hard to build, though. That's why we don't have it yet. Yeah, I think that the Boring Company is working on making it feasible to build super big, long tunnels. Mm-hmm. Because right now, um, it's extremely expensive. But if you look at things like the cost of boring a tunnel, the cost of sending mass to orbit, the number of circuits on a computer chip, um, the cost per kilowatt hour of batteries, Um, things like that. They're on these declining cost curves. They're improving insanely fast. We're going to see something called convergence. Do you know why Apple created the iPhone in 2007? It's not because they had brilliant inventors they did it's not because that was the first time somebody figured out how to make a smartphone it was but that's not why it happened right the reason that this happened in 2007 and google and apple did it virtually at the same time within months of each other is because of the convergence of better batteries you could actually send data over the cell phone network you could actually have a decent touch screen the amount of compute power that you could fit on a low-resource-intensive chip had finally reached a reasonable amount, Mm -hmm. so it would be somewhat fast. The reason that that was the year that the iPhone was released was because that's when the convergence happened. Of all these various factors which seem unrelated but are combined into one obvious, like, this is, of course, this device should exist. I've known it should exist since well before the self the smartphone was ever announced and a lot of people were like wouldn't it be cool if you had a little computer that you could carry in your pocket even before computers were invented or at least a personal computer um, people were talking about how this device would happen Arthur C. Clark famously mm-hmm. did but convergence will cause lots of odd things to happen in 2020. We're going to see um, everything that is built on the oil and gas industry be severely challenged, not because we're like, oh, we need to um, we need to reduce fossil fuel pollution or something like that. That's not going to be why. It's going to be the reason why it always happens, and that's economics. It's going to be way cheaper, way, 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 way cheaper to run stuff off of electricity and batteries are just going to be dirt cheap, so why wouldn't you have something battery-powered mm-hmm. um, versus... The cost of extracting, refining, transporting, and pumping the oil to get it into your tank or whatever um, other application it has. That's actually a pretty expensive operation. And when it becomes much, much cheaper to do the same thing with electrons, um, everything that's built on that industry will crumble. And... um, I see us actually having a, a mini dark age because of this. Okay. I think the United States dollar is built on oil. I think that a lot of the government and military is built on oil, and that's a large amount of our um, um, GDP is military industrial complex. And that is the reason that exists. And this isn't like a I hate it kind of thing. I, I just think this, this would happen no matter who is in charge. It's just how humans are. The reason for our big, powerful military is not just to protect us, but also so that we can go extract energy and have as much energy as we need. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have to extract it anymore, whatever
0: was built on that will have some challenges. That's the key right there is it's, um, it's all about energy. It, it always is. And that was, I was listening to a, um, one of the most profound podcasts I'd listened to in a while. It was a Lewis Howes podcast. that's fairly new. It's like two weeks old. Rob Deerdick came back, and I love Rob Dyrdek. Um, And he was talking about, like, he, 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 he um, resourced it multiple times. He referenced it multiple times about just chasing energy as a businessman, as a business owner, as a founder and a co-founder and, and an entrepreneur. He's like, I, I chase energy. He's I a genius. Energy. He's phenomenal. And you never know it when you saw him skateboarding when he was young. Um, But no, he's, he's, I I think he's one of the most underrated uh, businessmen on the planet. Like um, in the last five years, however many, how many brands he's launched and sold and and everything else. It's incredible. He has, he does more, he gets more out of his time than anybody I've ever seen. Um, Because he has, he has a lot of, he has a lot of work-life balance. Um, But, and like, look, so obviously, dude, I've, I, I talked to you not as often as I'd like, but a lot and, and have for years. And I learned some stuff today that I didn't know, but like, this is what I want the people to understand. So you're obviously, you have to dream big to want to look at, into this stuff, to be interested in it. You have to dream about it. Right. And like, tell the people, tell the folks what you'd want to know about how you were brought up, because what I know about you is not that that's not like, that's not how I was really brought up either to dream like this.
1: Well, the way I was brought up was it had its good things and it had its uh, its negatives as well. So uh, I would say that the reason I am how I am is because I was always driven to be the best at what I was doing. My dad was very much a uh, measure twice, cut once sort of person, and we literally did that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually ended up doing a lot of the construction work on our house growing up from about 2000 onwards. I did a lot of that myself. But uh, we were homeschooled, and I was homeschooled from um, a baby all the way to going to college. Mm -hmm. I went to Middle Tennessee State University, and that was my first experience of public education. But um, during my time as a homeschooler, I had to, one, get good grades. I had to It was required that I get an A yeah this was a requirement an A was going to be submitted so I was going to earn it and while I felt that that was presumptuous unfair at the time I'm very glad for that in hindsight because when I would get B's and C's on the exams in the curriculum I would have to go back and find out why I was wrong and do the work to find out well why did I put that down instead of the right answer And I would have to go back and work the problem again until I could repeat it and get an A in it. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that. Um, And when I went to college, I found that, yes, it was very difficult socially because I did not have a lot of social interaction growing up. Uh, We kind of lived as hermits. We lived out in the country, and we saw our friends for a little bit on Sundays and Wednesdays at church. Mm -hmm. But when I went to college... It was so easy. The bar was so low. It was like, I could step over this bar without even jumping kind of a feeling. And so that gave me the confidence to then say, well, I bet the rest of um, society is kind of like this too. And after college, I went to an office job and ended up working for about four years doing some really boring stuff that frankly should be done by a software program. But I learned a lot there. Mm -hmm. I learned how large American corporations function. I learned, um, frankly, why they suck. I learned um, how to get along with people better because um, a work environment is very different from an education environment. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- had some really great mentors there. And also learned that the bar was very low. I consistently crushed my quota even when they um, would raise it partway through the quarter. And it was because I had this drive for excellence. And mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was uh, kind of, um, it was built into me from a very young age. But I see the world as a pretty easy place to make a large impact on because here's the secret most people aren't trying. Most people just want to be comfortable. They want, mm. most people want to um, have. Work-life balance. They separate work and life, Mm -hmm. and they 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 want to. It's life-life balance for me. I think that. Thank you. If you find a way to live which other people find useful, you can call that work. It won't feel like work to you. But if you're living your life in such a way that it serves other people you will get money for it. Mm-hmm. And usually that's by being a, a nerdy expert in something and being the go-to person for something like health insurance. It's It takes quite a bit of study to understand health insurance and what somebody should actually get. And if you can display to somebody that um, you understand the environment of health insurance or whatever it is well enough that when they come to you and you give them a, a thoughtful... Uh, educational answer, they're going to send their friends to you too because they're going to be like, this person knows what they're talking about. Go to them for this odd thing that most people don't have to know about, but sometimes you do. You find the person that knows about it and and buy from them. Mm -hmm. That exists for everything. So, long story short, I think that it is easy to make a name for yourself if you want to because most people don't care enough. Most people just want to be entertained um, and... Don't necessarily have the drive for excellence. But let me say this. Dude, you're on fire right now. I think that everybody has it in them. You have greatness in you. Think about when you have to get up early in the morning and you really don't want to. That feeling of reluctance where you're just like, oh, I want to hit the snooze button. That is a human condition. Even people that are driven to excellence, the people that do have visible success. They still have that same reluctance in them. But what they've learned is that if they push past that, then there's really nobody else there. There's, there's nobody really to compete with. If you go beyond that comfort zone, just a little bit, and it doesn't cost as much as you think it does. When you have that sleepy, snoozy feeling, if you push beyond that and you're just like, okay, 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 I'll get up. Damn it. I'll get up. Um, If you have that attitude to just go a little bit further, you will find that that was the barrier. And now it's actually kind of interesting now that you're up. Um, Now that you're up, there's a whole day in front of you and that whole, that feeling can exist in any area that you want excellence in. So you just got to wake up a little bit. You got to shake yourself out of the um, desire for comfort because I'm not immune to that. I want comfort. I fall into ruts of comfort every once in a while. And I have to look around and be like, wait, I haven't grown for a while. So, um, just know greatness exists in every human. And often when someone is put into a situation where they don't have a choice, but to, um, face the situation and try, that is when greatness is awoken in them. What I'm telling you is you don't have to wait until you're put into that situation you can start now. You can find your greatness now,
0: mm. man. Like so, you said a minute ago. Um, a lo- like most people, don't focus on what they want. Like, see if I can get back there. So th- there's a one. One of I learned something. I think it was from uh, listening to Simon Sinek. He was talking about, uh, I know what it was, it, w- it was totally him. And he stood up and he said, all right, so you got to learn to control your mind, first of all. Your brain's a muscle, you got to be able to control it. And what you, what you focus on is what your brain will lead you to, right? And most people focus on problems, focus on the things they can't do. Um, and, he, and he used the, first of all, he said, uh, don't think of a car. Don't think of a red car. And, of course, you automatically think of a red car. He's like, skiers focus on the path, not the trees. They, they, there's trees everywhere, but that's not what they look for. They look for the path, because if they look for the trees, that's probably the last thing they would think of. <laughs> you know, that, that's the end right there. Um, but um, you hit on that real hard just a minute ago about there is, first of all, everybody's here there's a reason everybody's here. Everybody has a unique gift that makes them themselves, right? Um, But most of us conform to somebody else's view of what we should be. And I don't think
1: that's something that we do on purpose, and I don't think we should punish ourselves for it or think badly of other people for it. Absolutely. I think that is a default situation that our brain chemistry leads us to do, and that's conform to... Um, what we see around us, because we have five senses, they're feeding our, our, our neural um,
0: Pro- processor. Five senses we know of, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> we have five senses in the three dimensional world. Yeah, who knows what the other dimensions are? Right. And I think uh, they probably exist, and we may have senses there too. I'm not here to get into that yet. Maybe That's another time.
0: episode two.
1: Yeah, we can get really weird. There Just you, you wait. Go. But I think that yes, it is. It is a a default situation where people want to conform. And if you can step outside of that and be a true revolutionary, and that doesn't mean that, oh, I'm going to be a socialist or a communist or a Republican. It doesn't mean that you're going to try to overthrow some system. That's just playing along with the system because that's a natural thing that happens in society. That is a form of conformity, actually, mm-hmm. to be a true revolutionary is to under, to spend time, dedicate yourself to understanding the reality in which you exist and spend way more time trying to understand that reality than trying to change it. Because if you try to change a reality, you don't understand you will have unintended consequences everywhere and you can make a real mess of things really quick. So yeah. it's best. I think the most valuable question that a human can ask themselves And to ask it with sincerity and openness. These are the two questions that a human should be asking their entire life What is God? What is reality? Mm -hmm. If you ask those things earnestly every day, you will be led to some incredible places.
0: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, the folks out there that, so first of all, you like the fact that you do, you seek knowledge you, nothing is, I mean, seriously, is there anything that's impossible that, like, that you don't think, if you, even if you couldn't think of it, some, like, as far as humanity goes, like, seriously, what's impossible, honestly? I think it's becoming clear that we don't know what impossible is. Impossible is what, I mean, the, the limits that we have are the ones that we set for ourselves, right? Because nobody else sets any of, the, any of those, right? So, um, like, it's like you said when we first got on is like the last like 10 years has been more change than probably the 40 before in in just tech and in the entire
1: universe let's yeah. let's let's talk about this for a second okay 13.8 billion years ago something happened and matter exploded into being in a very epic way and for billions of years after it it cooled down into these things that were called stars now. Mm -hmm. And those stars turned hydrogen atoms into helium atoms and all the way up through the, the, um, periodic table that took forever, forever, billions and billions and billions of years since that process. We cannot even conceive of how long that took based on our human understanding of time. And eventually a planet formed eventually, um, life somehow emerged It is an emergent process of geology, I believe. But eventually, that instant ended up with you here today, 13.8 billion years after the inception of the universe, and you are made out of all the atoms that were formed. Every single atom in your body was formed in a star at some point. Mm -hmm. And to not look at that and be amazed by it, and to instead have a problem with it or have opinions about it or um, see yourself as something that isn't worthy of of peace and love and joy and abundance to see yourself as unworthy after all that work to make you that took that long that that makes me want to cry when i see somebody that feels unworthy in some way because clearly the universe says you are worthy you are here Amen to that. You Absolutely. have consciousness. You have, in my opinion, free will, but I think that people don't often exercise free will. And mm. you have all this, you're in this this situation, which is the probably the most interesting possible situation the universe has ever created. Enjoy it. Um, realize you have potential. Realize that there's greatness in you to go do something other than um, kind of being this holding pattern of the same thing over and over and over.
0: Everything that happens to anybody, like, again, going back to the ski uh, story of the skier, if they look for trees, they find trees. If they look for path, they find path. Whatever happens to you, period, there's opportunity in there. Always. If you can see it, if you're looking for it. But you got to open your eyes first, right? But most people only see the, the speed bumps or um, the things that are going to get in their way from the change or whatever it was that happened. I, I can remember when we all were quarantined last year for quite some time. Um, you know, I, the first thing that happens is, is after you get passed on a personal level, how does that affect you and your family? It's like, all right, now let's talk about business. And um, I think we were two weeks in when I looked at my wife and I was like, yo, we're not having the conversations. They're not happening, which eventually that's going to affect revenue. You know, so there's a certain amount of conversations that we have to happen. And some people locked themselves up and, and felt bad and waited for it to end. And, like, this studio exists because of that. Like, I listened to podcasts. I was a fan of podcasts, but I wasn't really into them. I never even thought about having one until that happened. And all of a sudden I, saw, I started seeing the value in an opportunity that something like that could could have like so it for us that situation we're better and stronger now on the other side because of it there was massive opportunity in there but you had to look for it you had to look for it and many people don't do that most people don't do that most people as a matter of fact will listen to what we're talking about today and be like ah that's stupid that's not real um i mean the one thing that i have respect for when i look at some of the stuff with with people that believe like what's the so the flat earthers are making a comeback
1: that is a sign of incredible derealization
0: <laughs> like but they're come, like like they have there's a bunch of them and but the one thing that i like that i'm that intrigues me is their conviction first of all like all right i'll i'll listen to anything for the most part, just because I can learn, I can learn from anything, right? So, um, but like these people, there's conviction and there's some really, really smart people that just the content that they create is even good. Like there's some very talented people that are doing those things, maybe if it's mis-aimed or whatever. Um, but like you can, if they, if they can, do it anybody can do it right and yeah not to put anybody down or hurt anybody's feelings. and and dear flat earthers (laughs) dear flat earthers
1: number one i love you no more and no less than all of humanity i'm a big fan of humanity i think it's really interesting that you think that the earth is flat but i'm going to use you as a cautionary tale here please don't take it personally again i love you if you can convince yourself that the earth is flat and you can seek a certain proof of a certain thing that you think. You will see it everywhere. Clearly, um, science has proven that the Earth is not flat. And as the cost of tons to orbit goes way down, we'll be able to send lots of people up into the orbit of the Earth. And there will be new explanations for yeah. why, I w- I why go. that doesn't prove that the Earth is flat. I want to go so <laughs> bad. Yeah. But yeah, and, and we will. But let that sink in. These are people have normal, functional, productive lives. A lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And they're not unintelligent. It should cause us to question our own beliefs and say, what is the flat earth in my own mindset? Because there are probably several of them. There are probably several things that I think that are really incorrect and are holding me back. But I look for evidence of them everywhere, and that reinforces that belief in a in a bad there way. You, there you go. So realize you are a flat earther too, even if you're not a flat earther. There's something about you that's kind of like flat earth. You you should look for it, and try to figure out what it is. It is a interesting and exploratory thing to do for yourself, and it doesn't make you any less awesome of a human when you find out what it is and fix it. Right. You and shouldn't I, feel bad. It's interesting.
0: Yeah, and and it's it's you. Especially in today's time, it's you 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 try not to label anybody anything but their name anymore. But like, so on that topic, this is really cool, and I saw this the other day, and I've been wanting to talk to you about this. So, um, the law, the at some point in time, there was more continents than we know today, right? Um, that's that's what the the stories say. So, and and there's literally cities on the ocean floor, right? That that um, they've discovered. Um, they're finding. Pyramids under ice and c- cities that shouldn't exist based on the history that we know, but so this is the newest one I've heard. Um, tell me what you think about this. There, there is a reflection of the Earth that is the Moon. So, if the craters on the Moon, when you put like Earth, over, like if you put it, it outlines our landmass. Well, I don't think. Have you seen that though? I haven't. I, I haven't
1: heard of that, so I'll have to not dismiss it. But I'm gonna send you the what. Tips. What we think that the moon is is possibly part of Earth. We think that there was early on in the formation of the chunk of stuff here that is Earth, it was broken, and then that resulted in the moon. And we have a very abnormally large moon, by the way, a moon that is one-sixth the mass of the planet is extremely rare. And I think that it's one of the reasons that life arose on Earth. And I think that the moon deeply affects our psychology. Um, If you want to see something wild, go to um, a stock market chart. Tradingview.com is the best one. Put it on daily mode. So the chart is showing you days. And turn on the moon phase indicator. You will see so many times new moon crash. Full moon rise, new Mm. moon crash, full moon rise. I have a pair of Apple AirPods Max because of this. I bet that, uh, okay, well, I'm going to buy insurance against the stock market going down because new moon's coming up or full moon's coming up. And it happened, and I sold the insurance contract for a big profit and have a pair of (laughs) really ridiculous Apple headphones as a result. But, um, yes, the moon is deeply ingrained in how we think in our psychology and i think that its tidal pull on the oceans helped the geological
0: process that ended up creating dna so i'll find these clips and i'll send them to you so in in this clip somebody literally by um what's when you when you get film and you get the negative what's that called again like uh, when you um the developed um negative So it's like a negative, like when you can see, like like what an x-ray does, Mm -hmm. right? So um, in this clip, they showed the moon and they basically just took all the colors and reversed everything, like made them backwards. And it honestly, seriously, dude, like it was crazy. Like, first of all, I love exploring, right? So you explore to find new things. You don't explore because it's something you already know is there, right? You're exploring to find new things, the discovery, so I'm always looking into new things and, I, and I'm so fascinated with the universe and all and everything outside of it, too. But um in this video, they took the moon, and when they inverted the colors, like, dude, it looked just like the continents of Earth. As a matter of fact, they took the same picture of Earth and laid it overlaid it, and like th- there was only two differences, and then that was there was two continents that like one was the Atlantis, Atlantis, and there was one more. And they're like, this is their first original map, and then they said, and then they referenced maps before what we know maps of today. And they're like, see, they were it all matches and lines up. It's super cool, man. Even with um, back then when the land masses were larger um, because of uh, more ice on the caps and everything, and how all that stuff. And then you can look at what's under under the ocean and and the ocean floor and all that stuff. And it, dude, it's a really compelling. Whether it's true or not, I have no idea. I don't even have an opinion yet because I haven't done enough research, but I'd sure watch that movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that one thing that fascinates me about nature is how much patterns are reused and occur over and over and how math almost seems to be ingrained into how stuff ends up looking. So it seems like... There are only four fundamental forces in the universe, by the way. There's gravity, Mm -hmm. there's electromagnetism, there's strong nuclear and weak nuclear force. And from those four forces and just three dimensions, we get this, which that's pretty um, resource efficient, if you ask me. But you do see some of the things repeat, and you do see some of the things, uh, some things just are always going to end up how they are. Even if it starts from chaos, it ends up at something that looks very similar. For example, crabs have followed multiple separate, completely separate, um, geologically separated and uh, ancestrally separated paths of evolution and ended up in the crab form. For some reason, the universe, specifically on Earth, makes crabs, even if it starts with different stuff every time. Mm -hmm. So who's to say um, why? that there may or may not be some truth to what you're talking about there with that video,
0: but it was fascinating uh, as hell, dude. Like I was just like glued in what I've watched it like a million times. Cause it's so short anyways. But like, I was just like, huh? Like, because you always, you see all the pictures of the moon and everything, but like when you look at the way they did it, and of course they could have did all this with editing and stuff, who knows? Um, but it was, it was very, it was very, very fascinating that the moon, they're saying that the face of the moon is the original map of the Earth. Look that up, folks.
1: Let's see what it, what it is. I know I will Google it after this.
0: <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to One show you. One thing
1: I do want to say, though, is regardless of whether that's true or not, um, it is evidence of something. And it goes back to flat Earth. It goes back to um, anything that you believe. It goes back into why you do certain things. What do you think the most valuable... Either commodity, real estate, asset, or anything is what if, if you were to say from on a physical way, not metaphysically, not philosophically, what is the most valuable thing?
0: The most valuable thing. Well, just throw some things out there. So obviously, um, we learned a couple of years ago that data was the most valuable commodity on Earth. It had That's passed a good one. Oil, right? So tech sure tech which based on what elon says is that tech is the thing that we should be scared of the most as as a human race right based on the fact that ai well think is eventually this
1: goes into that actually i posit that the most valuable thing in the universe is mind space so consider how advertisers try to influence you how politicians try to influence you how religions want to train you, how schools want to train you, how anything that has information to give you, they want your mind space because without your mind space, it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Without your mind space, um, it is not strong. Without your mind space, it is of no value. So unless something has mind space, um, it's really to humans, not necessarily to the universe
0: it's worthless. So, well that's that's there's you're very you're hitting the nail on the head with that because data is very powerful because what you can do with it. However, you use the data to get the mind space that you're referencing right now. Like literally um we have to monitor our kids' time on on YouTube and so on and so forth because like you can get they get they're not mature enough to say, "All right, it's been long enough." They get sucked in and they don't come back. You know what I mean? Like they, they live there. Uh, yes, it is an ancient vulnerability that we have
1: that we get these dopamine rewards for playing these video games, which are programmed to make us feel these, these things so that we play them more. And the more we understand that, the more that we see video games, social media apps, uh, TV commercials, political campaigns, the more science is done on how to acquire mind space, the more effective those things become. So two things for you. You, as any kind of human, should guard your mind space carefully. And that is why the search for reality is so important. Because if you are not searching for what is reality, you're not going to have a good idea of what you should allow in your mind space. And two, if you are a business owner, prioritize mind space above everything else. If you can get into the mind space of the people that you can serve, and usually the best way to do that is to be an expert and to provide ex- excellent, excessively good service. That gives you mind space. Even just a little bit of mind space is all you need for that person to tell someone else they know to come to you for that same service they just got. Get the mind space. It's the most valuable possible commodity.
0: Mm. Yeah, man. All right. So, believe it or not, I mean, this has been, the time is flying by. The time is flying by, isn't it? Um, all right. Well, let's let's make sure that we get we come full circle. So all the space exploration, the the tech, all the um, what the average Joe might consider big thinking, for lack of better words. Um, how does like all the great entrepreneurs? They're good. They're great thinkers. Period. Even like even all the way down to like the the Snoop Dogs of the world who have taken a hip-hop career, and turned it into anything and everything. Literally, I saw three commercials with him just today. You know what I'm saying? Where he's advertising all kinds of stuff. He, I mean, seriously, that dude's marketing stuff with Martha Stewart, of all people. If you had told him that 20 years ago, what would that have got you? You know, So like these people are great thinkers, right? And they control the mind space, right? They're definitely in control of it, for sure. Or at least they control how they digest it. And what's going in. So to all the the folks that want change, want better, whether it be they want a better position at their job, they, they want to become their own boss, they want to own their – I just want to – to be in charge of my money, I need to be in charge of my time, period. I just want to control my time, right? If I want to spend more time with my kids, I want to do that, and I don't want to have to ask for permission. If I want to hang out with you in a studio on a Friday afternoon, I want to do that right? So, and that's an earned privilege, right? So what could we, what will we bring home to the folks about how you've been able to leverage forward thinking, bigger thinking, discovery, exploration into, I mean, literally, how many, how many companies has your wife started all just from stuff like this? Who's an amazing entrepreneur, by the way? Um, we'll all learn from your wife before it's all said and done. And everybody's going to know who she is before it's all said and done. But what are some things that like these folks could take? Um, because we've had some amazing nights over dinner and drinks and anything else just thinking big, man, dreaming big. Okay. So this, you
1: need to suspend your disbelief for this response because just as things are changing faster and faster, it will be a radically different world in 2030 than it is in 2021. And it will seem so crazy um, the things that will happen that to tell someone these things now, they'd think you're crazy. Imagine trying to explain to somebody in the 1950s what TikTok is. <laughs> I mean, that's it's going to be like that, but it's going to happen in a much shorter time frame. So just understand that... Exponential innovation is occurring. There is convergence of extremely powerful forces right now. Areas of discovery, areas of progress, areas of declining cost curves. And pretty much all of the old ways of doing things, from having a job, going to a university, driving a car, those things are going to go away. You will not benefit from going to college whatsoever now unless you're like me you go to get a a cheap uh, comparatively cheap state education with not a lot of uh, student debt if you don't have uh, generous family paying for it for you unless you're going to go get um, socialized from somebody who was a hermit growing up there's really not that much to learn because universities have a very long um cycle of knowledge coming back to them that the most of the knowledge being taught in universities is pretty old right now. So don't saddle suit yourself with student debt, huge recommendation from me right now. The other thing to know is that if you buy a gas car right now, you're buying something that will be a stranded asset in 2025 mm-hmm. because by 2025, the um, gas cars will only be relevant to people that really like cars so unless you honestly are a car enthusiast and you love cars and um, you are willing to spend 10 times more to drive that car than you would to get taken to where you want to go autonomously in an electric car. Um, and you are cool with your garage space being dedicated to that and a large amount of your budget by an insurance for it. Um, yeah. Get a gas car. Otherwise don't. Um, I would not recommend that because the entire face of transportation will change by 2025. Um, And finally, learn something where you can create some kind of art, some kind of service, some sort of human interaction, because I'm telling you, as soon as we have robots of any kind that can do the jobs that people are doing right now, then they won't take sick days. They won't cost very much to operate. They'll not make mistakes. They will not have any kind of um, human relationship liabilities that we see uh, in the corporate world. They'll just do their job. And thus, capitalism will choose the cheaper, more reliable, safer way where a robot does your job. And that's going to take over so many jobs your head will spin. But what's going to be valuable after that, thankfully, is human contact human-generated art, human interaction. Learn to do that because, one, it's a lot more fun than sending spreadsheets to somebody or whatever you do at your job. That's what I did at my job. And, two, um, I think you'll earn a lot more at it than anything because not everybody's going to want to create art. Living is go- The standard of living is going to be very cheap when this happens because stuff is going to just, by its very nature, have to cost so much less because competition will drive the prices down because robots are doing all the jobs and it doesn't cost hardly anything to provide that product or service to you now. So your life will be cheap uh, as far as Costco. But if you can provide a service like art or human interaction, then that will be highly prized. So work on that in the 2020s, because by 2030
0: you're not going to have to work. You're just not. Interesting. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm always telling my son, and I'll tell my daughter, like, dream big, think big, you know. Um, like literally, when my uh, when I was little, my grandmother used to always say that I could be the president of the United States, you know. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, and but do truly it. And I never believed it. And the and I've learned more in the last five years, not just about like business and success, but I've learned more in the last five years about myself. Like, and I attribute to a lot of that to, um, raising a family. I attribute a lot of that to, um, raising businesses, um, and other people's businesses, but I also attribute a lot to, um, relationships and friends, like the ones, uh, like the one with you, where I talk about things that I explore things that I'd never even looked into before that quite frankly maybe in the world that i was brought up in maybe those were things you just didn't look into maybe that was ah that's that's what the movies are for and and so on and so forth so um, think big there's just we know nothing is what i figured out we know nothing and just like you said in the last in the last 10 in the next 10 years we're going to it's going to evolve so much more than what the previous 40 previous 50 or whatever. Here's what I want to previous know. 200. previous 200. Here's what I want to know. Before we get off on another tangent cuz I got to bring you back. I got to bring you back maybe three or four more times. But I want to know. So all right, so the when did when was the first wireless cell phone? Do you know? Like I don't. That's why I'm asking. Do you know around about when that was? When when those things when they became common. How about that?
1: Hmm, when they became common and weren't this massive brick from the movie wall street
0: yeah um even then even when they were the brick and the zach morris as we call it in my in, in my demographic the, the zach morris phone i'm like so the reason i'm asking is i think because 1980s 80s and so, they were terrible they were terrible
1: inexpensive
0: but the technology existed way before that right just so how, how in the world did they communicate with the astronauts in space without a wire
1: radios. The technology did not exist before the 80s for the cell phone. It did not. It was a miniaturization of the components and it was advancements in battery technology as well as um, allocations of wireless spectrum for that, building the towers and and Mm -hmm. creating that. But the way they talked to the astronauts uh, uh, going to the moon and back, I actually have done this before. It's a pretty old technology. Um, It's just radio. I have a ham radio license and I have talked to people on many different continents and sometimes even in my car it is because uh, radio waves will propagate and an example of that they'll actually bounce around the ionosphere around the earth and talk to somebody halfway around the world with the ones in space they were just sending radio waves out in a focused manner pointing it right where the astronauts should be and the astronauts had a similar parabolic antenna pointing back at earth as well so um, it's very, very simple technology. Mm-hmm. If the world went to hell and I was the only person that knew anything about uh, technology, probably with about three to five years of trying, I could probably make another radio. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not the most complicated things out there.
0: Right. Dude, it's fascinating. The, I think the, the point I'm trying to make is that for me... The bigger I think, the, re- the more I realize I don't know, which there's a hunger for exploration and a hunger for discovery that that fuel, that feeds that, right? And I've been able to channel that into my own person and personal growth, and I've been able to channel that into business growth. And um, you know, at I'm 40 and I'm just getting started. I can't wait to do all the things that everybody says that I can't. You know what I mean? That's that's um, one of the things that drives me big time. And uh, and it's through conversations. Like, you got to have friendships like this. You got to have relationships like this because we grew up in two totally different... Like, we were going in two totally different directions from from childhood, you know what I mean? Because that was the polar opposite of everything you described earlier. But, um, but that was one of the first things. I never will forget when you... Um, we got to know you at the office and you came in and you sat down and you said, Hey man, like I'm fascinated with what you guys do. I want to know more about it. And that was the start of all this. It was you saying, I want to discover. Absolutely.
1: And I am an explorer as well. And that's why we're on the same frequency, so Mm -hmm. to speak. I use the word frequency a lot. If you know me as a friend, we're on the same frequency. And even though we come from vastly different backgrounds, that is one of personal excellence and of exploration and finding out what is possible for myself as a person. And that brings together all kinds of different people. The most diverse group of people are the ones that are on that that frequency. You'll have all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. And literally every possible human spectrum is on that frequency of, I want excellence. I want to grow. I want to find out what I'm capable of. I want to serve humanity. Mm. That is where... I want to hang out for the rest of my life. There
0: you go. There you go. All right. So, cause that's an, that's amazing place to bring this volume, to bring this episode to a close. So for, let's, let's remind the folks, um, how to, how to find you, how to find you. So, um, website, all your social media handles, the ones you want them to go see, um, check you out, like, and follow and all those things. And, um, obviously we are upon a, a, a um a very big time of year in the in the insurance industry. So obviously you help you've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, individuals and families across our great United States over the last five or six years. Um and um, they're lucky for the ones that you still get to work with today, right? So how can folks find you?
1: Oh, thanks. Awesome. Um, Chris Rimbolt on Facebook if you want to connect with me on there. Chris Rimbolt on Instagram and I trust. You watching this video see how my name is spelled it's a little weird um and also freelifeprogram.com is a pet project of mine to help people find inner peace and outer abundance there's no woo-woo in there there's no specific religious background there's no uh, weirdness about it it is just the physical steps that i would recommend to find inner peace and outer abundance just based on what I have experienced in the hell that I've gone through and the things that have worked for me and the things that I will continue to do to keep me in this place. So free life If you want to get to know me, great. Um, but I would recommend trying that cause that's where all my lessons and gold are. And remember, especially if you're in business for yourself or you're trying to understand the world, it's all about the mind space.
0: Boom. Well, folks, blessings, to you and yours, um, I wish you the best. Chris, I don't know about you, but I need a refill, um, and uh, which means it's a great place to bring this episode to a close. Thanks for joining us on the Hit Streak podcast. Again, I'm your man, Nick Hyder. God bless. We'll see you soon.